and really, Christmas Day is, what, eight days away? Like, like a week from tomorrow? And so all that hustle and bustle and all of that stress is there. It should be a fun stress, really. Um, but what I have found out is the way we are anymore, we really don't have to go to the stores to shop, do we? I just throw it in the cart and click send. Well, I have to pay for it, but... And it shows up at the doorstep, so that takes away some of that stress. Um, but then again, you know, next Sunday is Christmas Eve, and we'll have a service here. Um, but what I want to do today as part of our Advent series is, is I want to spend some time, and I want to focus on two words. Two words. All people. See, Christmas is for all people. At the very first Christmas, when the angel came and announced to the shepherds that the Savior has been born, he said this in Luke chapter 2, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. All people. And then he says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, in case you're wondering, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, like, has been born today in Bethlehem. But when I think about Christmas and when I think about the Christmas story, that one sentence really strikes home with me. I bring you great, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. See, those two simple words, all people, have no restrictions. There's no conditions. There's no limits on who the Savior is for. Jesus is for all people. Christmas is for all people. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter how dark your past experiences in life have been and the things that you carry with you. It doesn't matter how deep in the throes of addictions you have been or maybe currently are in. It doesn't matter if you're struggling with gender or maybe you're just fine where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're trying to figure out this whole sexuality thing and where you're at on that spectrum. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you don't believe in God at all. It doesn't matter if you hate God. And it doesn't matter if you think this book is a book of fairy tales. None of that matters. Nothing matters. It doesn't matter because the good news of Jesus brings great joy to all people. And here's why none of this matters. God doesn't put conditions on where we need to be at in life when we call upon Jesus. I am so thankful he didn't put conditions on me when I called upon Jesus, because I was what you would call a hot mess. <laughs> I, I didn't even have my life cleaned up yet, and I called upon him. See, it doesn't matter, because the moment a person begins to respond to the voice of God's Holy Spirit, Jesus is for the salvation of that person. Jesus is going to do all he can to reconcile that person with their Father in heaven, with God. And so what I want to do is I want to start out by looking at an account 
in the Christmas story that, that often gets overlooked. And it's after Jesus was born. Like a week and a half, about eight days. And it's in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. Uh, Joseph and Mary were taking Jesus to the temple to dedicate him to the Lord. And it's what, it's what was accustomed to do. It was a part of the Jewish law at the time. And that's why we dedicate our children to God as well now. We follow the example that we're given. So here's what it says. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. So first of all, you know, I just want to hit on something right here. Um, it says that, the Spirit led Simeon to the temple that day. So, like, what does that mean? Like, did he just grab him by the back of the, the collar and just say, you're going to the temple that day? No. Simeon was a man of God. Simeon heard this voice from within him, the voice of God that said, I want you to go to the temple today. I bet Simeon didn't know why he was going to the temple, but he felt there was a need and he went. That's what that means. And lo and behold, what God had spoken to him years prior came to pass. And he saw with his very eyes the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus. See, and then he prophesied. What Jesus came to do was for all people and for all nations. Nobody is left out of the salvation that Jesus has for us. All throughout the scriptures, there are passages, especially in the Gospels. Anyone who is thirsty can come to me. Anyone who is hungry can come to me. Anyone who is weary and tired can come to me, Jesus says. And they will never thirst. They will never hunger. They will find the rest that they were needed, that they need. That spiritual void within them will be filled. And they will experience the good news of Jesus that brings great joy to all people. And so, why is this so important that we talk about this? Well, for one, God doesn't play favorites. We're all his favorites. He doesn't have any favorites. He loves all people. And there's nothing that will stop him from loving us. And the story of Christmas in the Gospels helps us understand God a little bit more. It helps us to understand the love that he has for us. And it helps us to understand his pursuit of us and our relationship with him when that pursuit meets us. You see, God generously pours his goodness out on all people. And a lot of people miss out on this goodness. 
They miss out on it because they think that God is only good when they are good. There's this idea that, that I've got to do good in order to gain God's favor. And if I do bad, God will be there to punish me. Well, the problem with that is, then it makes our relationship with him performance-driven. It means that we have to do enough good to outweigh the bad in order to stay on God's good side. Jesus was doing a teaching, and, and he's just blowing everybody's minds because he's, he's saying things like, love your neighbor as yourself, do good to those who harm you, pray for those who persecute you, in Matthew chapter 5. And then he says this, God gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. God is good to everyone. See, again, this is what tells me God doesn't play favorites. God wants to bless all people. He's a good God who loves us all, and he gives what is needed to both the good and the bad. That's a hard one to grasp. This means that God is good to us whether we are good or not. God is good to those who rebel against him. God is good to those who totally ignore him. And God is good to those who diligently follow his ways. There's a term for this. It's called grace. It's grace. A lot of believers struggle with grace because they see people that don't deserve God's grace. But they have no problem bringing all that grace on themselves. Grace is tricky. Grace is a mystery. Grace means it doesn't mean that there won't be consequences to our actions. But it also doesn't mean that there will be. Like it's up to God. It's the grace and the goodness of God that determines it all. You know, maybe, maybe we got ourselves in such a, a jam that we did some things we shouldn't have done and God says, you know... You really did learn your lesson. So let's just, let's go. And then sometimes we do things and there are consequences to our actions. But it's not up to us. It's the grace of God that determines that. See, the world teaches that we deserve what we get. We deserve to be punished. We deserve what we get. We do bad things. We better expect some bad things to come our way. We do good. Oh, and good will happen. But God sent his son Jesus to the earth to save us from this type of narrative. There's all kinds of philosophies and other religions out there that, that, that preach that narrative. We would call it karma. Right? You, you do enough good and good stuff will happen to you. you. You better be careful. You do bad and bad will happen to you. Jesus says, you need some help? I'm here. Call on me. I don't really care where you're at in life. If you call on me, I will be there for you. I don't care what you said to me, said to others about me, think about me. If you call on me, 
I will be there for you. Because God sees our hearts. So I want to read a passage, just a quick passage from uh, James chapter 1. James says this about God in chapter 1 verse 17. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word and we, out of all creation, are his prized possession. I like the sounds of that. And so when it comes to hard times, what's the secret? What's the secret to dealing with hard times? It's always trying to find the good in the midst of a tough time. It's always looking to see where the good is. Because every good and perfect thing that happens to us is a gift from our Father in heaven. See, God is the one who brings the good. And he does it because we are his prized possession. No matter how we act, he's going to do good. He delights in blessing all people. All the good things that happen to us are a gift from God. And I know that sometimes we have things that, that happen in our lives where it is so hard to see any good. I, I can't, there is no way. I can't even focus on any good. Well, here's what I do. I go back then. And I start thanking God for the good that happened yesterday or a week ago or last year. And I thank God for who I am and that I'm even still breathing. If anything, there's that. And I tell you what happens. When you do that, you begin remembering things. God was good to me there. God was good to me there. God was good to me there. And it takes your focus off of all the bad for just a little bit, and it puts it back on him. Listen to this passage from uh, Titus. This passage from Titus is, is kind of some, it's actually really deep theological stuff, but, but we're just going to keep it simple. I'm starting in Titus chapter 3, verse 4, but I want to start in verse 3 for a second here. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done. Let's, let's change that. Not because of how good we were. It was because of his mercy, his grace. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. God didn't care where we were at in life. He just wanted to pour his grace upon us the moment we call upon Jesus. See, the kindness and love that God, our Savior, revealed to us is Jesus. At the first Christmas, 
God's goodness came in the form of Jesus, a Savior, a baby in the manger. When we look at Jesus, we're looking at God. And the moment we call upon Jesus, the moment we invite him in our lives, the moment we realize we can no longer do this on our own, we become a new person. And God generously pours his spirit out on us and forgives us of all of our sin. And for some, it's a, it's a very powerful moment. And some, it's just a breath of fresh air. But it's a gradual change. We begin changing on the inside. And it is the grace and mercy and the goodness of God that gives us the confidence that we will inherit eternal life with our Creator. If there's anything that we have to place our hope in, it's heaven. And it is a gift that is available to all people. And it is the greatest gift that we will ever receive. The salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, the creation of a new person within. To all who are thirsty, to all who are hungry, to all who are weary and call upon Jesus, no matter who we are or what we have done, we receive salvation, we receive grace, we receive mercy. And here's the thing, all life comes from God. Every single life on this earth was created by God, and God never created a person he didn't love. Some of us have an upbringing that we wish we could forget about. Some of us were born in, in not the best circumstances. And some of us have had it pretty easy. But God gave us that life. God chose to breathe life and bring us into this earth. And for that, it is a gift. Our lives are not always what we would thought they would be, right? But we have a creator who loves each one of us beyond anything we can imagine. And he wants nothing but the good for us. Listen, Psalm 145, the Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. Psalm 42, each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. This is the psalmist here. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. God will never stop loving us. He is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all of his creation. Even in the garden when Adam and Eve messed up, God was there with a plan. Nothing surprises God. Nothing catches him off guard. He's always got a plan for us. When we mess up, he has a plan of redemption in place. He's always there to pick us up, to clean us off, and to get us moving again. Every day, he pours his unfailing love out upon us. And his love will never fail us. It is always there. So, 
So when we're not feeling it, though, when we don't sense this is true, when I don't feel the love of God, when I don't feel like God is nearby, when it just seems like my prayers are dropping to the ground, they're not going anywhere. How do we, how do we, how do, we do this? Like, I can only convince myself for so long that God still loves me. I'm starting to feel like he doesn't love me. Well, here's the thing. We cannot let our emotions, we cannot let our feelings rule the day. They will mess us up every time. We have to base everything off his word because his word is truth. Proverbs 30 says this, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. Psalm 33, for the word of the Lord holds true. We can trust everything he does. He loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. These aren't just fairy tale things that, that people wrote down. People wrote this down because they experienced it. Because God's Holy Spirit spoke to them. And they put it down so that 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years later, we would read this. Some, these psalms and these proverbs were written before Jesus was on the earth. The goodness of God is wrapped in truth. And nothing changes the truth. The truth cannot change. That's the thing. So when you're, when you're, when you're feeling, you're just, just like the truth of God's word tells us that he is our protector, that he is our shield, that his love fills the entire earth. That is the truth. But sometimes life hits us so hard that, that it's hard to understand that truth, right? Like there's, a, there's confusion and there's difficulties and, and there's things that just knock us off balance, so to speak. And, and there's like, it feels like I'm taking one step forward and, and two steps back. I just, I can't get a leg up on life. That's when we have to really press in to verses like this and talk to God about it. God, if this is what your word says, I need to feel it. I need to know it. I need it. And, and believe me, I promise you, he'll show up in your life because that is who he is. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus. He wrote, you know, a lot of letters to churches that he established in the New Testament. And he wrote this letter in the church of Ephesus, hoping that they would gain an understanding of how strong and powerful the love of God is. And, and I love this 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 prayer because prior to this prayer he's talking about the mysterious plan of God's just I, I just encourage you to read it I'll, I'll get off on a tangent if I start talking about it but you know some of what God does is a, is a mystery right we, we don't understand why God is the way he is we certainly don't understand grace I, 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 I can try to comprehend it but man the grace of God is beyond our human understanding, really, right? And the fact that we need a, a Savior is often beyond our understanding until we ask that Savior to come into our lives. 
And so Paul's explaining some of this to to the church in Ephesus. And then he says this in uh, chapter 3, verse 14. When I think of all this, when I think of everything I've just told you, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That's a powerful prayer. We will never fully understand the love Jesus has for us. This side of heaven will never fully understand how much he loves us. We, we sing songs about how he leaves the, the 99. He told a story, the 99 sheep to go after the one. Jesus, Je- you know what? Jesus went through hell and back so that we could have life with him. He did what nobody else would ever do or could do. And just like the Apostle Paul, sometimes when I think about that, it brings me to my knees. The love that Jesus has for us. The lives that we were living before Jesus came into our lives and saved us. I am so thankful that he is who he is to me. Because when that happens, here's what it is. It just, it just makes me want to explode from the inside out. Because the Holy Spirit is giving me just this tiny, teeny little glimpse of how powerful the love of God is for us. And our human, our human bodies can't handle it. It's more than we could ever experience here on earth. One day we'll experience in its fullness in heaven. But it's a love that cannot be contained. And it's a love that needs to be shared. We can't contain it. We shouldn't be keeping it to ourselves. We need to share it with others. And when we receive it, it should make us want to give it away. See, God pours it into our lives, and we give it away to others. And this means that that love is, is an action. It's, it's a choice. First of all, it's a choice. Because love says it's no longer about me. It's about you. Love is about giving. Love is about the other person. That's why we, we cannot outgive Jesus when it comes to love. And then love is a choice. I mean, love is an action. We give it away. And this is one of the reasons that Jesus came to the earth, to reveal to mankind the love that God had for them. Jesus had the love for mankind that God had for them, and he gave it away. He had so much grace and mercy that the religious leaders of his day couldn't couldn't buy into it. 
We couldn't understand it. Human love is conditional. It has boundaries. God's love is unconditional and knows no boundaries. We cannot love others the way God loves us without Jesus. Jesus gave himself up for us. And Christmas without the cross is meaningless. If Jesus had stayed a baby in a manger, then our faith is empty. The crux of our faith has bookends. The miraculous birth of Jesus and the sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus. Without that, our faith is empty. It's a philosophy. It's good teachings from a man who once walked the earth. Both events are life-changing and relevant when we are sharing our faith. There cannot be one without the other. And it's the mysterious plan of God's salvation for mankind, the bookends of our faith, the birth and death and resurrection of Jesus. And it doesn't make sense until the moment a person experiences the grace and mercy of God the Father. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this. He died about Jesus. Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Jesus did this for everyone. Everyone equals all people. In Acts chapter 2, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, everyone will be saved. Our eternal balance, our, our eternal uh, destination hangs in the balance of the truth of the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The Savior to the world who brings good news with great joy for all people. So as we close out today's message and we head into the last week before Christmas Day, I want to do two things today. First, I want to encourage everybody here to invite somebody to our Christmas Eve service. Christmas and Easter are the two times of the year when people say, you know what? I'm going to go to church. Christmas and Easter are the two times of year that people who would never step foot into a church have this void in their lives that they really don't know what it is, but it says, I should go to church. And you'd be surprised how many people might accept your invite. Because God wants them to experience his goodness that is for all people. Imagine somebody else's story down, years down the road would be this co-worker invited me to their Christmas Eve service, and here I am. Family member, friend, whatever. And the second is this. Let's put the theme of today's teaching into effect 
this week while we're interacting with friends and family and even strangers. Because I bet there's a number of you that have had a conversation that went like this. Oh, when so-and-so comes into town, it's just a whirlwind of stress and it's all this stuff and we all got to be together and sit and smile and have fun. Just me. When family gets together, it can be stressful, right? But it's supposed to be joyous. Bless you. Understand that the Savior is for all people. All people. Keep that in mind. We have something that is for everyone. Our faith in Jesus. And Christmas is about generosity and giving. So look for opportunities to give that away. When you're with your family, your friends, when you're out in the stores. And listen, if you don't have Jesus... If you don't have Jesus, what I want to do right now is I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. And I want to do something here that we don't normally do. We usually do this a little bit later after worship. But I just want to ask everybody to close their eyes. So God, I, I thank you for those, Jesus. I thank you for those being honest and saying, man, I, I, I just I need some help with grace here. And I want to ask, Lord Jesus, right now, in this very instant, you would give them just a little bit of glimpse, a little bit of what your grace is like so that they can be a part of pouring that out on those around.